We are in week three of a series called Retro Church, and if you've been lucky enough to be here early, you've got to hear you've gotten to hear over the last three weeks songs from the fifties the first week, a countdown song from the sixties last week, and today that funky white boy Joel played a really cool song from the seventies. The nineteen seventies is a very interesting decade. In the 1970s, this new invention came on the market that, that revolutionized the way families spent time together at home. And ordinary, regular people could buy one of these. For a mere $1,200, you could get an analog video cassette recorder. And you could get a movie, probably 25 bucks to rent at that time, and you could bring it home and you could stick it in. It was the TiVo of the 1970s. And you could watch it anytime. You could fast forward. You could rewind. You could pause and get up and make a sandwich, come back, finish the movie. It was a really cool thing that just ordinary people that happened to have an extra $1,200 could go get. What we're doing with Retro Church, we're hitting the rewind button, and we're going all the way back to that first church in the first century. The church that's talked about in the Bible in the book of Acts. And looking at the way people acted around each other, looking at the way people interacted, the way they lived their lives, the way they talked, the way they spent their time, and just what they focused on and what was important to them. So the last two weeks, this week and next week, we're going retro with the church and seeing what we can learn from the church in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's called the Acts of the First Century church. Sometimes I sit in my office and I wonder, and I pray and I think, God, is the church today what you had in mind when you set out to call a group of people away from the world and to get your message out? Are we today what you had in mind when you said, I'm going to build my church? I I wonder that. When, When we're busy doing the business of church, I think, are we being what you want us to be. And the way we can find out is we can rewind back to the first century and see how people then practiced Christianity, to see how people then thought about church. A few years before the book of Acts was written, it's when Jesus was on earth, and he ushered in this new religion, this new way of thinking. And and. It was kind of Judaism, but it was Judaism with a twist. And Jesus came as this Messiah who wanted to tell the world this new message, wanted to tell the world about his plan for everybody to spend eternity in heaven. And one thing that was different about Jesus from all these other rabbis that were going around teaching, Jesus went out into the streets It wasn't just a religion of the synagogue. It was a religion for everybody. It was a religion for people who didn't like religion. It was a religion that met people where they were, no matter who they were. And that's what we try to do at LifePoint. No matter where you are, this is your first day in church or the end of your first decade, or you've been to church since before you can remember. We want to meet you where you are and let God's word and God's plan transform your life. The first week when we talked about retro church, I talked about how the church then in the book of Acts was simple. 
that people simply were the church. And to go up to somebody in the first century, a part of this church, and say, when are you going to go to church? That wouldn't have made sense to them because it was so much a part of their lives. It was a daily thing, and, and church was just who they were. It wasn't a place they went and a place they went to sing and, and hang out together. It was just life. The second week, last week, Darren, our youth pastor, talked about how these people in the first century lived out what they believed and how they were willing to be used by God whenever and however and with whoever and whatever God wanted, they were willing to do it. They were vocal about their faith. They were vocal about what they believed. After the death of Christ and his ascension into heaven, his disciples got together and started to tell people about this Messiah, tell people about what Jesus had done in their life. And they were just ordinary people changed by God into extraordinary people. And as they began to teach, as these disciples started to spread this message that Jesus asked them to talk about, as they started to teach in town after town after town, they met with some opposition. They met with some religious leaders, some Jewish religious leaders that said, stop talking about this. We don't want you talking about this anymore. Too many people are getting in on this. Stop. And two of his disciples spoke with boldness. And they refused to stop. And here's what they said in Acts chapter 4. This is is what uh, the religious leaders thought. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were ordinary men doing extraordinary things. According to these religious leaders, these ordinary unschooled men shouldn't be so bold. They shouldn't know so much. But they also notice, well, these guys have been with this man named Jesus. They're bold. They know what they shouldn't know. They act the way they shouldn't act because they're just unschooled, ordinary people. The New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. Matthew through Revelation, written in Greek. So the translations we have today are just that, translations. Any language other than Greek is just a translation. So the word ordinary, when it was translated, was translated ordinary. But the real word, the word in Greek is idiotes. It's where we get our word idiot or ignoramus. So these religious leaders were thinking, these are just unschooled idiots talking about something that all these people want in on. These are just idiots. Ordinary, unschooled people. Idiotes. That's all of us. We're all just ordinary people, just like they were. But the difference, what these leaders saw, these guys had been with Jesus. And the church is made up of ordinary people Now, it was made up of ordinary people then. It's always going to be made up of ordinary people who get with God and then accomplish extraordinary things. When Jesus started his earthly ministry, he chose peculiar leaders to expand his kingdom. Jesus didn't come along and go into the synagogues and say, 
Oh, you wonderful Jewish teachers, you wonderful rabbis, could you please join me in my quest to teach the world about this message that I am from heaven and I am the Messiah? Would you come out of these synagogues and help me do this? That's not what Jesus did. Jesus went down by the lakeside and he called fishermen who smelled, who had dirty hands and dirty feet. Jesus called beside of him prostitutes to help him spread his message. He called some of the most hated people in the world, and still are, tax collectors, to come alongside of him and help him spread his ministry. He transformed the spiritually dead and the doubters and the skeptics and the flunkies, the people who everybody thought they'll never change the world. He transformed them into extraordinary people. You ever catch yourself wondering if your life is going to make a difference? You ever catch yourself thinking, does my life matter? Am I ever going to make a difference? Or is it just nine to five, day after day? How about, am I going to make a difference in my kid's life? Am I going to make a difference in my spouse's life? And I just want to make a difference. These ordinary people wanted to make a difference And they did because they got with God and they accomplished extraordinary things. Jesus looked at those people just like he looks at us today. And he says, you need to let go and release everything that holds you back and then follow me. Come and follow me. Those two words that are talked about in a very effective way in this book, Velvet Elvis. This is a great book that talks about the Christian faith. And in this book, in one of the chapters, Rob Bell talks about the significance of those two words, follow me. Because these ordinary people heard Jesus come up to them and say, follow me. Those two words were more significant than it looks like on the surface. Jewish boys, when they were about six years old, started getting trained by a rabbi. And that rabbi would get with those boys and he would teach them the Old Testament, the first five books, the Torah. And they would memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Memorized. Six years old. And then the ones that the rabbi thought, this kid is smart. He's sharp. I'm going to take him to the next level. So that kid stayed on with the rabbi. And then he memorized the entire Old Testament. Every single word. And then at that point, the rabbi would look at these young boys and he would say, you know, you're sharp. You you have memorized that. You live it. You get it. You've got this edge to you. Why don't you come follow me? Because I think you can be like me. But then there were the other ones who didn't quite make the cut, who made like C's that only memorized a little bit of it and and didn't didn't really get it, that may not have been as sharp. Those kids, it was just like, well, what do your, what's your family do for a living? Well, they're a fisherman. Well, hey, have you ever thought of fishing? Maybe you could go be a fisherman. So these boys that didn't make the cut had to go learn the family trade, and the ones that did make the cut got to hear the rabbi say, follow me. So Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's out calling people to him. He goes down by the lakeside, and listen what he says in Matthew 4. Verse 19, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. So when Jesus went to call, his first 
disciples, he went to the people who flunked out of school. He went to the people that didn't make the cut. He went to the people that probably felt like they were less than important. He went to the people that the rabbi looked at before and said, you don't make the cut. You're not good enough. He went to the misfits. And two words that they maybe had never heard before in their entire life, they heard Jesus say, follow me. That makes a lot more sense why they dropped everything. Because now here's a rabbi teaching and they hear two words they've longed to hear. Follow me because that also meant I think you can be just like me. And that's what Jesus said to these ordinary people. Let's fast forward from back then all the way to today. Because Jesus looks at all of us and he says, follow me. Those same two words that those guys were not good enough to hear from any other rabbi, when they met up with Jesus, they heard the words, follow me. Have you ever been at a time in your life when you didn't feel good enough, when you didn't feel like you measured up, when you felt like the world was all against you and you just couldn't stop making mistakes? Even at that point, you can hear Jesus say, follow me. The difference between ordinary people and extraordinary people is this. Extraordinary people, truly extraordinary people, have been with Jesus, have been with God. That's what turned these ordinary first century people into extraordinary followers of Christ. So how do we move from the idiotes, the ordinary, to the extraordinary? A few quick things. First, get with God. Just get with God. How, how do you do that? Do you call God up and say, hey, God, I'd like to take you to a movie and, and we can hang out a little bit? How do, you, how do you get with God? You know, conventional wisdom says, here's God, great, big, huge, bigger than we can imagine God, and then over here is us, and we look over there and there's God, and here's our life, and we're saying, God, come over here. God, I want to put a little bit of you into my life. God, I want, to, I want to put you in here. I want to put you in there. And, and the pastor said, there's this God-shaped hole inside of me. And if, if, if I want to fill it up, only you can fill that hole. Trying to stuff God into our life is like trying to stuff an elephant into a mailbox. I mean, it won't fit. So instead of saying, God, come over here and be part of my life, what those people did, what we need to do is get with God, is put our lives firmly with him. Put our marriages firmly with him. That's when the ordinary is exchanged for the extraordinary. When our career, when our children, when our parents, when we come, not just saying, God, come over here and be part of this, but we're saying, God, everything I have, everything I am is in you. So get our lives in God rather than saying, God, come over here and get in my life. That will turn the ordinary to the extraordinary. When you get with God, what used to be ordinary becomes extraordinary. When church is just a place you go, then you'll never experience what it's like to be with Jesus. You can go. You can enjoy it. It can be fun. You can hear great music. You can meet some great people. But If it's just a place you go, you'll never move from the ordinary to the extraordinary. In Acts 5, verse 2, it says this, 
Day after day, they never stopped living out the good news that Jesus was the Christ. They were fully engaged. Now, you can be somewhere and not be fully engaged. Like right now, you might be thinking about at this point, oh, what am I going to have for lunch? Or could school starts this Friday or whatever. You're thinking about something else, but you're here. So it's possible to be somewhere and not be fully engaged. Guys, have you ever been driving down the road and your wife is talking to you? You're not really listening. You're thinking about something else. Listen to music and she's talking and she's talking and she's talking and she's talking and, and, and you're not really listening. But then that pivotal moment comes when your wife says, what do you think? And you're like, uh, uh, could, you, could you go over that again? So it's possible to be physically with someone, to be physically in a place, but not really be with them. I asked my 10-year-old daughter one day, do you ever feel like daddy's here but not here? And I thought, well, I'm going to have to explain this concept to her. And she said, oh, yeah, all the time. (laughs) Okay, enlighten me, child. You know, how do you know? Well, you you know, dad, it's just when you're not listening. You know, when you're just not looking at me, you're not really paying attention. I'm like, wow. At 10 years old, she understood that I could be with her and not be with her. So you can come to church, you can read your Bible, you can get in a group, you can do all those things and never understand and never experience what it's like to be fully engaged and fully with God. What the first Christians understood was their life was in God. Not so much God in their life, God just hitting the high points with them, but their life, their whole life was in God. It was in Christ. Another book in the New Testament, Colossians, in chapter 3, verse 3, it says, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Ordinary people relying on God to do extraordinary things through them. When you get with God, nothing is ordinary. Second thing we can do is get in community. These people in the first century, when we go retro and look at this first century church, they didn't separate the relationship with God from their relationship with other people. It was all one big thing. It wasn't my church life, my work life, my home life. It was all one big thing. And they lived it out in community. And without community, without relationship with each other, without relationships with other people, you'll never move beyond the ordinary. That's why we put so much emphasis on community here at LifePoint. Third thing you can do is get into God's Word. The first Christians spent a lot of time in God's Word. They spent a lot of time learning about Him, the why, the where, the how did we get to where we are. And God's Word has something mystical about it. It even says that in the Bible, that God's Word just has this magical way of speaking to our hearts. And it's referred to as being living and active. In Acts 17, it says these people, these first century Christians, were examining the Scriptures daily to see if they supported what he, the Apostle Paul, said. So when we're here and I'm rattling off this stuff about Greek and calling you idiots, and you know when that's all going on here on a Sunday, think, well, I'm going to go home and check that. Think about it. I want to check it because he said he was the lead idiot, so maybe... He might say something that may not be completely accurate. Go home and check it. 
get into God's word, and then you can be in a place where you'd know more about him, experience him in a new way, and start to move from the ordinary over to the extraordinary. The last thing we can do is get in line. Get in line. You will never have enough stuff fixed in your life to get with God. There's not going to be this time where you think, you know, I've conquered all that sin. I've conquered all that stuff that's going on in my life. I don't feel insecure anymore. Things are just great. Now I'm going to go get with God. Now I'm going to start volunteering. Now I'm going to get involved in relationship with other people. That'll never happen. God takes ordinary people like you and like me and does extraordinary things with us. The only qualification God has for people to come to him is that they are unqualified. So if you're unqualified, you're qualified in God's book. The only kind of people that he accepts are unqualified, ordinary people. Some of you know the scriptures and been reading them all of your life. Some of you don't, but there are stories in scripture about ordinary unqualified people that made this huge impact on the world because they got with God. God used them in spite of all their insecurities, in spite of all of their mistakes, and made a huge impact on the world. Jesus went up to ordinary, unqualified people and said, follow me and you will accomplish the extraordinary. Every person in here today can do something extraordinary with your life. Your relationships can be extraordinary. Your marriage can be extraordinary. Your church experience can be extraordinary. If you realize that God is searching for unqualified people to make an extraordinary difference in the world. Think God can't use you? Think he only uses perfectly qualified people? Take a closer look. Moses was not a great speaker. Jonah ran from God. Jacob was a liar. Noah got drunk. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah was depressed a lot. Solomon was rich in wisdom, but poor in lifestyle. John the Baptist was just plain poor. Timothy was too young. Abraham was too old. Lazarus was dead. Sarah was barren. Naomi was a widow. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. So did Sarah. Peter lacked self-control. James and John were self-righteous. Paul had a short fuse. Well, so did Peter and Moses. Actually, lots of people did. God's army isn't perfect. It never has been. It's the march of the unqualified. Get in line. Can you imagine what a church could be like? If all the people realize that we're just ordinary people expecting God to do extraordinary things. 
And everybody said, I'm going to get with God. I'm going to get in community. I'm going to get in his word. And I'm going to get in line as unqualified as I am and as ordinary as I am. I'm going to get in line and expect God to do extraordinary things through me and through our church. Could you imagine what a dent and what an impact on the world could be made by a group of people that said, God, come into our ordinary lives and accomplish extraordinary things.